Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. I just wanted to take a moment and tell you about my friends over at Purality Health and their new rapid-absorbing glutathione spray. Glutathione is your master antioxidant. It helps you kick out toxins and boost your metabolism fast. In fact, when supplementing with high-quality glutathione, you will purge unhealthy toxins You'll lose weight with less effort. You'll feel more energetic. You'll notice a brighter complexion and you'll feel much healthier overall. But here's the thing. Not all glutathione supplements are created equal. If you're taking glutathione in capsule or tablet form, you're missing out on key nutrients as they will simply pass through your body without being absorbed. You can thank your stomach acid for that. However, my friends over at Purality Health have a new rapid-absorbing, delicious glutathione spray that delivers this powerful antioxidant straight to the areas of your body that need it most. Just pump a few sprays onto your tongue and watch as toxins naturally purge from your body. The best part? You can experience these results in as little as seven days. For a limited time, they are offering a special buy one, get one free deal, which is backed by a 180-day money-back guarantee. So you have no risk. You can try it out. All you need to do is visit masterantioxidant.com forward slash DRJ. Again, that's masterantioxidant.com forward slash DRJ. And that will give you access to this exclusive deal. Welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, I am interviewed by Jane Hogan from the Wellness by Design podcast. And you can find Jane at wellnessengineer.com. And she is just a, a really a delight. This is a wonderful interview. We really go into detail on the best advanced nutrition strategies to reduce inflammation and pain. I go, I do a deep dive on fasting, autophagy. I, t- I talk a lot about balancing neurotransmitters in the brain. It's a lot of really good stuff that I go through that you guys are going to really enjoy. So uh, you guys are in for a treat. And if you know anybody that's dealing with chronic inflammation, insulin resistance, that's having trouble losing weight and just really wants to feel better, this is a great podcast to send them. And if you've not left us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, wherever you listen to to this podcast, now is the time to do that. Just go ahead, find where it says leave a review and leave us a five-star review. That helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. Thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for being a part of our community. Let's go into the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Wellness by Design podcast. I'm your host, Jean Hogan, the Wellness Engineer. Really delighted today to be talking about um, the effect of uh, nutrition, different nutrition strategies on pain and inflammation. So such a powerful topic, direct impact on pain and inflammation inflammation. So I'm really delighted to welcome today Dr. David Jockers. Uh, Welcome, David. Welcome to the podcast. Jane, thanks. So great to connect with you and uh, excited about our conversation. 
Mm, I'm really excited too. I've, I'm on your email list. I love your recipes. Uh, so if anyone is looking for anti-inflammatory type recipes on all kinds and delicious and tasty, I recommend they go to your website and we'll have the link there. You're the author of two books, The Keto Metabolic Breakthrough and The Fasting Transformation. So this has been been a big part of your practice now. You were uh, a chiropractor and now you're an like integrative and you're so popular. Your website's uh, very popular. I think I've read here um, like you get a, a million monthly visitors. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of crazy. And uh, so you live in Georgia and I was noticing you got four kids, your daughter's joyful and shine and your wife is angel. Like, I think your house must be all like sparkles and sunshine, is it? Well, some might think so, but you know, when you have a two-year-old and a five-year-old, there's temper tantrums and, uh, you know, our two-year-old, she's not potty trained. So, you know, there's, there's poopy diapers, right? Things like that. But, you know, I love my family. They're amazing and amazing to be able to do life with them. Yeah. Uh, well, kids are just the biggest blessing. Mine are all grown now, but I do remember that stage. You think, oh, <laughs> it'll be good when we're past this, but at the same time, you don't really want to rush any of it. So uh, we are talking today about, um, as you said, advanced nutrition strategies, and and you really like gone this angle with keto and with fasting. What took you down that route? in your, in your practice? Yeah. Well, for me, you know, growing up, I was, um, I was more health conscious. My mom was a naturopath. And so where she was studying to become a naturopath as I was a teenager, and she always tried to teach us nutrition. Of course, as a teenager, I always rebelled, but the way that she really hooked me was I was an athlete growing up. And so, you know, she would have kale or, you know, some, some sort of health food on my plate for dinner. And I would be like, and it was something oftentimes that I didn't like the taste of. And I would be like, well, why do I have to eat that? And she would say, well, this is going to help you have more energy. It's going to help you uh, recover better from your training and this and that. And for me, it was all about if I could perform better, if I could play better, I was going to do it. And so that's how she sold me on it. And, and then as a, after I got out of high school, I ended up becoming a personal trainer. So I really got into natural health and performance. And um, I was living a healthier lifestyle than anybody that I knew, you know, that was in their early 20s, but it wasn't healthy. And so I ended up with irritable bowel syndrome, where I actually lost uh, roughly about 25, 30 pounds of, of healthy muscle. And I, I developed orthostatic hypotension. I go from sitting to standing, I would feel really, really dizzy, I would have cramping, bloating, you know, just episodes of intense pain in my gut. Um, from time to time. And I realized I needed to make changes. And so that's what I did. I started making changes. And this is back, you know, in the day when, you know, eating healthy meant all whole grains, right? Mostly plants, very little meat. I was, I was more of a vegetarian style diet and going grain free was really a new concept. But at the time, yeah, I had started, I had actually, you know, at this time when I finally made this change, I had started at chiropractic college and a friend of mine turned me on to drmercola.com and he had just written a book, The Grain-Free Diet. And I was like, oh, I'll try it. If it'll work, I'll try it. And so I did that and it worked, it worked really well. In fact, I was eating a lot of grass-fed meats. We would order all these grass-fed meats from US Wellness Meats or one of these companies and, um, you know, just eating, trying to eat as much real food as possible and a little processed food as possible. And I would feel naturally satiated. 
And I had 7 a.m. classes many mornings um, in graduate school. And I would just, oftentimes I would work out in the morning and I would hydrate and I, I really wasn't hungry. And I noticed that I actually felt a lot better when I would just hydrate really well in the morning and not eat until let's say midday, one o'clock, two o'clock maybe. That's when all of a sudden I would get hungry. And so I had never heard the term intermittent fasting, but I started practicing this. You know, I was able to heal irritable bowel syndrome. I got rid of all the gut issues. I, I regained the muscle weight, felt better, you know, had great energy, felt better. I went to the top of my class in, in, um, in school and was able to perform at, at my highest level by practicing this. And I still hadn't even heard the term intermittent fasting, not until actually I got in practice. So I, so I got in practice pretty shortly after I finished school. And I was actually living in my office and showering across the street at a 24-hour gym. I opened my practice in, in early 2009 when the economy had crashed. I couldn't get a business loan. I started it on credit cards and all this kind of stuff. And so for me, I was just going to, I was like, I'm going to live simple. I was, I was single. So I lived in the back of my office, which my landlord was okay with as long as I paid the bills. Right. So he was like, all right, whatever you want to do. And I was showering in the gym across the street and I was just working 60, 70 hours a week. There was a power panel that was like, I was literally sleeping right under the power panel. I had an x-ray machine in my office and I, and it was a chemical based x-ray machine. And it was in the, the actual developer, the chemical based developer was in the bathroom that I was using every day. So I was exposed to all these different toxins and I actually ended up developing skin cancer on the side of my nose and skin cancer is actually what killed my grandfather. So he had metastatic melanoma that spread throughout his body and, and into his bones and, and killed him, uh, at, at the age of 71. And so, um, so this is in my family. I grew up in Florida. I was on the beach a lot, surfing and bodyboarding and had, had been sunburnt more than somebody should be in the course of their life. And so I had all these risk factors and I really had to take uh, inventory of my life. And I realized that my life, I was being driven by a fear of failure. I was working around the clock. I had no balance. I was stressed out a lot. Um, just really driven to succeed, but it was just this constant stress and panic in the back of my head. I was being exposed to way too many chemicals. I would binge eat at night. Now, me for me, binge eating was like Ezekiel bread with with coconut oil and blueberries, right? It was something like that, right? It was things that people would have naturally thought were healthy, but I was consuming way more carbohydrates than my body really thrives on. And so I ended up going on a, a five-day water fast. And I you know, got rid of a lot of the sugars and grains and things like that that I was consuming. Um, I actually bought a house, you know, real close to my to my clinic so I could create more balance. I hired other doctors in to help help with my practice. And, you know, I was able to, to heal that naturally. And so ever since then, and and I, you know, fasting has been a key component that I used that, that now that I've I've been teaching clients all throughout the years. You know, I, I eventually went on to, you know, start my website. I was actually writing for other websites and uh, started my website right around that that same time. And then eventually I sold my clinic and now just really create online health content. But yeah, I've been through a lot in my own personal health journey. And I've learned a lot throughout the throughout the years that have has really worked for me and have worked for many other people. And so, yeah, anti-inflammatory nutrition has been huge in my life and, and in so many other people's. Dr. Joggers, that's an amazing journey, but I can see now why this is such a big part. Fasting, intermittent fasting, and a, a grain-free lifestyle is such a big part of what you do. And uh, yeah, I, I, am, I got that as well. Somehow figured out that when I fasted, 
um, I I didn't have as much inflammation. Do you, so do you think it's because uh, one, of the, one of the reasons I've kind of come up with for that, and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm not right, is that we're, the, the immune system is getting a break, right? We're not triggering it. Because when, when we eat, it's kind of the, the biggest challenge on our immune system. So much of it is there in the gut. Would, would you say that plays a part in it? It's just like getting a break and getting a rest? Well, there's a number of reasons why fasting helps bring down inflammation, but certainly that is one. So when we eat, we produce a hormone called insulin. And if we're eating on a regular basis and we're eating more ultra processed foods, we're going to drive up more insulin and insulin's job is to bring sugar out of the bloodstream and put it into the cells. And when insulin is elevated in our system, our cells become less sensitive to it. And so we have to produce more and more insulin. And when this happens, the fat cells are the last cells that that lose their sensitivity to insulin. So the more insulin resistance we're developing as, as the cells lose sensitivity, the more we are driving fuel into the fat cells. And we're also blocking our ability to burn fat for fuel. And that's key because the more that we're doing this, the more insulin we're producing, insulin is also drives up inflammation in our body. And so we increase the amount of inflammation in our system when we do that. And then on top of that, insulin is really, it sends a powerful information signal to the, to the body. It says, you know, we're in a time of plenty, a time of, of food abundance. And so we, this is time for us to basically reproduce cells, right? And divide cells. Mm -hmm. And so the body really needs to go through periods where we are growing and, and we are going through cell division. And that's really important, particularly for kids, pregnant women. Okay, that's that's it's important that they're getting a lot of those signals. As an adult, we need very little of those signals. We really don't need a whole lot of that. We need a little bit, but we actually need a lot of signals of the opposite. So when insulin drops down below a certain threshold, it tells our innate intelligence that it's time to heal, cleanse, and repair cells. And this is really key. So Kids, they're going to spend a lot of time in cell division and growth. That's that's important. Pregnant women, but adults, once we get you know fully grown, we need to spend probably three times as much time in cell repair and healing than we are in cell division and growth. And so we need that insulin down in order to trigger the body to do this. And when our body gets into this cell repair phase, it triggers something called autophagy, which is self-eating. And autophagy, actually, some uh, Japanese researcher in 2016 won the Nobel Prize for research talking about autophagy. And autophagy is this innate intelligence-driven system where the cells will actually scavenge older, damaged cellular organelles. So within every cell, we have a whole bunch of different organelles, kind of like organs. Like we have a heart you know, in, in, our, in our body. We have our heart. We have our lungs. We have our liver. Those are all organs. Within every cell, we have, in a sense, like a heart right? You know, we have a digestive system. And so one of the main organelles is our mitochondria. The mitochondria are what produce all the energy within our, our body. And they also have a sensory function where they actually respond to the stressors in our environment. And we need really good, healthy functioning mitochondria. The problem is that mitochondria are sensitive to oxidative stress and oxidative stress is kind of like rusting, like an apple browns when it's exposed to light supposed to air, we're supposed to oxygen. That's what happens to the mitochondria as well. So we need to constantly repair the mitochondria or get rid of the old damaged mitochondria. So we talk, we call the older damaged dysfunctional mitochondria senescent 
right? Which is kind of a term for aging, senescent mitochondria. And these senescent mitochondria lose their ability to burn fat for fuel. Fat is a really great energy source, a very clean energy source. We can produce a lot of cellular energy with very little oxidative stress in comparison to glucose. And so we also can produce energy through glucose. We produce very little ATP uh, when we burn glucose and we produce a lot of oxidative stress. So glucose isn't a preferred energy source unless we are in a state of uh, low oxygen. So when we're in an anaerobic state, like when we're exercising at a real high intensity, then we're primarily burning sugar. And then what happens? Like our muscles will get, will start to burn. That's the lactic acid. That's produced as a byproduct of uh, glycolysis when we're producing a ton of energy from, from glucose. And so the issue here is that we want to primarily be burning fat for fuel in our mitochondria because it's clean. It produces a lot of energy. However, the more of these dysfunctional mitochondria we build up in our cells, the less efficient they are at burning fat. So now we produce, we start burning a lot of sugar, which produces more, again, more of this oxidative stress, which damages all the other organelles within the cell. We end up with very dysfunctional cells. Now, if those cells are not eliminated, then they, they divide. And so now their dysfunction divides into their future generations. And now we start building up more and more of these older damaged or what we call senescent cells. And these senescent cells can be really problematic. And you talked about the immune system. And so immune system is very fast growing cells. Like our immune system, our our immune cells are constantly under stress because they're constantly trying to hunt down invaders, older cells. They're releasing very toxic components in order to kill a lot of um, you know, pathogens and uh, inflammatory agents. And so we need a constant turnover of these immune cells. When we are not going through this process of autophagy, where we where we repair the organelles within the cell, or what we call apoptosis, apoptosis is programmed cell death. So if we can't repair the cell, then we want the cell to kind of basically hit the kill the kill switch, right? Kill itself in a, in a sense. And that's good for the whole body because these older damaged uh, senescent cells cause more problems. They actually release more inflammatory compounds. They don't function right. They don't burn fat for fuel. They're, they're very dysfunctional. They damage the whole, the whole system of our body. So we want them, we want to get rid of them. Apoptosis and autophagy are the ways that we either repair or get rid of them. When we aren't able to do that, we end up with a whole bunch of poor functioning cells. Mm-hmm. And these poor functioning cells lead to poor functioning organs, right? And poor functioning systems of our body, which result in symptoms that we're experiencing. So if we're experiencing chronic symptoms, it's a sign that we have a whole bunch of senescent, poor functioning cells in our body. And then if we go deeper than that, it's a sign that we have a whole bunch of senescent, poor functioning mitochondria and other cellular organelles within each cell. And fasting basically creates an environment where our body can get rid of these damaged cellular organelles and start to repair them as well as damaged cells and create new healthy young embryonic cells or new young uh, mitochondria within the cells. And that's going to allow us to function better. And really ultimately the quality of our life is going to come down to the amount and the, the functional, the functionality of the mitochondria within our cells. 
Wow. What a great lesson. What a great lesson in the mitochondria and autophagy. And uh, and really, uh, I think about it sometimes as making our army stronger, right? We don't want to have an army with a bunch of stragglers behind. It just kind of weakens the whole army. And who doesn't want, you know, healthy new young cells? So thank you, Dr. Dockers, for that. That was such a great summary. I'm thinking now, Back to when, so I, I had rheumatoid arthritis and I uh, was trying to heal it naturally. And, you know, I, I started with food and it did really make a huge difference. And then I remember hearing probably on a summit because I love, I love summits. They're just great place to learn from people. Uh, I think it was Datis, Dr. Datis Karazi and talking about blood sugar. And I remember thinking, I'm not diabetic. Like, why does blood sugar matter to me with an with an autoimmune condition? But it has everything to do with it, right? So maybe we could talk a little bit about that, why it's important to monitor blood sugar levels if you have pain and inflammation, even if you're not a diabetic. Yeah, absolutely. Your blood sugar is really key and, and your body's constantly listening to the signals of your metabolic health. And so blood sugar should really be in you know, a, a certain range. Okay. And when it gets out of that range, either if it goes too high or it goes too low, it can cause a tremendous amount of problems in the body. And so we'll start with high blood sugar. So when your sugar is really high, the sugar molecules will actually bind to proteins within, within the bloodstream and they'll create something called advanced glycation end products. The acronym for that is AGE. AGE. And so AGE, what, what do you think that does to you? It ages you. And so these ages, right, or advanced glycation end products in circulation, they actually, in, in a sense, they're almost like shrapnel going through your bloodstream because they attract immune cells and they create, basically, they're bringing inflammation along with, with them that damages the endothelial lining of your blood vessels. And so you think about somebody that has uncontrolled diabetes, so somebody has diabetes, type two diabetes, and they're they have hyperglycemia, and they're not able to bring that down. They have all these AGEs that are building up, and what are the problems they have? They end up with heart disease because again, blood you know the blood vessels are becoming damaged. They end up with kidney failure. That's because of the blood vessels again becoming damaged. They end up with optic neuritis oftentimes, where they lose their vision because the nerve cells become so damaged. They end up with peripheral neuropathy where. They lose the feeling oftentimes, or they have just constant pain in their nerve, or they lose all the feeling altogether, and they can't even feel their foot. And that's because, again, these AGEs have caused so much damage. And so they damage every single organ system in the body. So hyperglycemia, very toxic for the body. So that's why the body produces, one of the reasons why the body produces insulin is to make sure the blood sugar stays stable. And of course, to get the sugar where we can use it, which is within the cells. Now, the other issue would be hypoglycemia or too low blood sugar. So some people, when they consume food, and this was me, this was my issue growing up, you know, for breakfast, like before my mom really understood nutrition, I mean, we would eat, you know, a bowl of Cheerios. She would never get what I wanted, which was like the Fruit Loops or, mm -hmm. you know, some sort of highly processed, high, high sugar processed food, Fruit Loops or uh, Frosted Flakes. She would get Cheerios because she thought that was healthy. No added sugars, right? So we do Cheerios, skim milk because we want to avoid the the fat, or we do like soy milk or some low fat soy milk or something like that. And then we would put a banana in there because it's fruit. And then sometimes we'd even have orange juice with it because we want to get our vitamin C. Yeah. And so all of those things, very high 
in carbohydrates, right? High glycemic impact, high glycemic load. So that would shoot up my blood sugar. And there was very little protein, very little fat to help kind of lower the glycemic impact of the meal. So I would consume that. And then two hours later, I feel exhausted. I'm sitting there in my, you know, whatever class I'm taking and I, I'm just exhausted. I've got my head down, hard to concentrate, hard to focus because now my blood sugar went up and then dropped way down because my body produced a lot of insulin, brought the blood sugar down, and now I'm experiencing hypoglycemia. And what that means is that my brain cells are actually not getting enough fuel because your brain, your your neurons can only run off of glucose or ketones. And we'll come back to ketones, but we can't get fatty acids. I mentioned how the mitochondria love fatty acids. We can't get fatty acids across the blood-brain barrier, at least not in sufficient quantities to provide a stable fuel source for the brain. So when my blood sugar dropped down, I started feeling fatigued. I would have headaches. Um, I would feel cranky, irritable, have cravings. I would feel really thirsty oftentimes. I remember feeling really, really thirsty. And so a lot of people have experienced the hangry, right? Where it's like you're hungry and you're angry at the same time. For some people, they get nausea. They don't even feel hungry when they get hypoglycemia. But these are all neurological symptoms because the brain cells and neurons themselves are actually dying. They're actually being affected. And then when one neuron dies, it spills out a whole bunch of different neurochemicals. And those neurochemicals actually affect the neuron right next to it and can cause that neuron now to have excitotoxicity and die. And then it's almost like a domino effect where this process of neuroexcitotoxicity takes place where we're damaging all these neurons around it. So it's really, really problematic. Hypoglycemia is a huge factor. In fact, if you've had one or more serious bouts, by a serious bout, what researchers mean by that is like where you pass out. Okay, so if you've passed out from hypoglycemia one or more times in your life, I think you have something like a 60 percent greater risk of developing dementia or some sort of cognitive early cognitive decline. You know, some sort of cognitive neuro it's called neurodegenerative condition later in life. Like it's pretty significant, and that's because you've damaged so many of these neurons. So it's really important that we don't end up with hypoglycemic reactions as well. Now, the, I, I mentioned ketones, and the interesting thing is that, and I, and I talked about how I did a fast and how I teach fasting. And so most people think, well, if I fast, I'm gonna create hypoglycemia and I'm gonna damage all these brain cells. So I'm really worried about that. And the interesting thing is that when you fast, your insulin drops down and your body has this mechanism and this is because all of our ancestors, they didn't have refrigerators and pantries. Right. They didn't have three meals a day, okay? It was feast or famine. When the hunt was good, when the harvest was good, they feasted. And when it wasn't, which wasn't uncommon, everybody would go through periods of time where they had very poor harvest, very poor hunting. And so they would sometimes go days without food. The blood sugar drops, the insulin drops, your body takes fatty acids, it takes them into the liver and converts them into ketones. Ketones are water-soluble molecules that are smaller than fatty acids. They can cross the blood-brain barrier and they can provide a fuel source for the brain cells. And they also, they signal, they're an epigenetic influencer. So they actually influence the genetic expression of the cells in our, in our brain, as well as throughout our body. One of the ways that they that they change the expression of the neurons is they downregulate inflammation and something called neuroinflammation in the brain, significantly downregulate it. And so you get less inflammation. They also help to balance the glutamate to GABA ratio in our brain. And glutamate 
is like is like the gas pedal of the brain. So it's it's you know allows us to have cognitive acceleration, think sharply and quickly, react to stress. We really need glutamate, super key for that. But we also need it balanced with GABA. GABA is the brakes. So if you're driving a car, brakes aren't working well. You know, look out, right? Yeah. Big problem. And so a lot of people they have an imbalance. And typically, when we have neuroinflammation, for most people they have an excess of glutamate, right? And and very poor GABA function. And when that happens, they'll have anxiety. In some cases, depression, irritability. In some cases, everybody's a little bit different. In some cases, more aggressive behavior, trouble with anger, frustration, right? A lot of different, a lot of these types of things have to do with neuroinflammation that's taking place there. And so the ketones help to balance the glutamate to GABA pathway. And that's why a lot of times when people are fasting, they just feel like they can perform better. They have better memory. For a lot of people, you know, for, from a spiritual perspective, a lot of people fast for spiritual purposes and they feel like they have better intuition, that they hear from God better, that they hear from, you know, from their, you know, their spirit, whatever, whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish they just feel like they have better recall, right? And they have breakthroughs in their life. And I guess if you were to break it down on a physiological perspective, I think that the balanced glutamate to GABA and the reduction in neuroinflammation is having an impact on that and giving that person more clairvoyance, right? And so, yeah, so fasting just has really powerful effects and the ketones, right? Elevation in the brain is, is super important there. So to summarize all of that, I, I really think a big part of blood sugar stability is creating what we call metabolic flexibility, yes. where we want to be good at burning sugar when it's available, right? You eat an apple, you want to be good at burning the sugar that's in the apple, but you also want to be good at burning fat when you don't have much carbohydrate in your system. When the blood sugar starts to drop, you want to be really good at producing these ketones so you never experience hypoglycemia. So for me, I used to experience all that hypoglycemia. Now I never do. Now I can go long periods of time without meals and I actually feel great. I actually typically feel better you know, in, a, in my fasted window than I do in a feeding window. And that's kind of really where we want to be is that sweet spot where we've got that metabolic flexibility. We're good at burning fat for fuel, but we're also good at burning sugar. Some people can be in a state of ketosis, right? By following perhaps like a ketogenic diet and practicing fasting to where when when some sort of carbohydrate comes in, blood sugar goes up and it doesn't come down real well because their body is not used to it and they're not efficient at actually burning that glucose up either. And so we actually want, we want the balance there where we're good sugar burners and good fat burners. We call that metabolic flexibility. Mm, so important. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about how important your liver is. In fact, if you're suffering from low energy, brain fog, and unexplained extra body fat, the problem could be your liver. You may not know it, but your liver is the foundation for good health. It performs more than 500 key functions like filtering toxins, breaking down nutrients, and keeping cholesterol in check. But over time, your liver can start to wear down. And that's when you get energy crashes, belly fat, and trouble with memory and concentration. Fortunately, there's a simple solution. It's called Liver Health Formula. 
Liver Health Formula contains 11 powerful herbs and nutrients clinically proven to recharge and revitalize your liver. It also helps protect against fatty liver, which is a silent epidemic affecting 100 million Americans. Liver Health Formula is manufactured in the U.S. and approved by American doctors. And as a listener of this show, you can try Liver Health Formula and receive a free bottle of nano-powered omega-3 to keep your heart and brain healthy when you order today. Just go to getliverhelp.com forward slash shockers and claim your free bonus gift. Again, that's getliverhelp.com forward slash shockers, G-E-T. L-I-V-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash jockers. Get liverhelp.com. Get your free bottle of nano-powered omega-3 along with your liver health formula today. Are restless nights stealing your sleep? Well, if so, I have a podcast recommendation for you. It's called Sleep Magic. On the Sleep Magic podcast, episodes are delivered in relaxing, soft tones, getting slower as the episode goes on, with relaxing suggestions that encourage sleep. Sleep Magic has over 100 free episodes, so there are plenty of options to choose from, and the show is already trusted by hundreds of thousands of people who use it every night to get better sleep. So go subscribe to Sleep Magic now wherever you listen to podcasts and start listening for free today. Just search Sleep Magic on your favorite podcast app. I used to get shaky uh, and... and that for me, that was a really common sign that things were like, my yeah. blood sugar was all over the place. And now no problem. I just yeah. stay that shakiness, room. you know, our cerebellum, which is called our little brain in the back of our brain has a lot to do with balance and stability. And so it's, it's, it's very vulnerable to hypoglycemia as well as alcohol. Like if somebody's getting tested for a DUI, they have them get out, you know, they'll have them put their feet together, close their eyes, and they'll see a lot of times they fall over or they have them do the heel to toe walk. That's challenging the cerebellum. And when somebody has alcohol in their system, they, their cerebellum is affected. Well, also hypoglycemia can also dramatically affect that. And that's why you and many others experience that shaking. Mm. So let's just talk about it. when we do want to eat in a way that's going to allow us metabolic flexibility, what we eat, of course, is so important. And we want to have, you know, uh, the health, healthy kinds of fats. We don't want to be having the, the processed oils and things like that. So what we eat is really important. But I just I'm interested uh, when I tell people that I don't eat grains or I mean, I kind of a bit more eat them a bit more now, but. I went for a long time where I just didn't eat grains. People were like, what? I mean, most people can't even imagine living without eating grains. Like, does your family not have grains? How, and when you, with your patients or people that you work with, like how, when you talk about this subject, is it like scary to them or how do you, how do you help them with that? I know your recipes are a great help. So that's probably a great place to start. How do you approach that topic with them? Yeah, it can be a big shift, right? Because most people like myself, I mean, I ate grains at every single meal growing up, right? Like I said, Cheerios for breakfast, peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch, dinner was pasta or a rice dish or, you know, something along these lines. And so, so changing those kind of patterns can be, can be challenging and difficult. And typically what I recommend are three major changes, getting rid of sugars and grains, and obviously real all ultra processed, highly refined carbohydrates. Number two is get rid of bad fats. And that's what you talked about. Those seed oils, corn oil, soybeans, safflower, 
cottonseed, peanut oil, soybean oil, getting rid of those things and focusing on healthy fats, avocados, high polyphenol, extra virgin olive oil, olives themselves. My kids eat lots of olives. They eat almost every day. That's part of their lunch. And um, other fats like grass-fed butter, coconut oil, coconut products, eggs, pasture-raised eggs, all healthy, the healthy stuff from that perspective. And then trying to do our best to prioritize protein by doing our best to get it from organic grass-fed wild-caught sources. So that's going to reduce our toxic load because a lot of the grain-fed conventionally raised animal products are bioaccumulating toxins because they're eating grains that were genetically modified and sprayed with glyphosate and all different types of herbicides and pesticides. And that builds up in their system. Mm -hmm. And so when we're eating their meat, their dairy, we end up with a high toxic load. So the more that we can get organic, grass-fed, wild-caught animal products, the better. Now, when you're setting up our meals, what I recommend is really trying to focus on protein first. So try to make sure you're getting somewhere between 30 to 50 grams of protein in a meal. Okay. Now, if you're under, let's say 125, 120, 125 pounds, you'd probably be fine with 25 grams of protein in a meal. Average individual is going to need 30 to 50 grams of protein. If you're, if you're an athlete, if you're really trying to build muscle, you're doing a lot of weight training like I do, then you might need more than 50 grams of protein. Uh, a lot of my meals are 70, 80 grams of protein in a meal, but that's usually for, I would say 80 to 90% of, of folks, 30 to 50 grams, somewhere in that range um, is going to provide blood sugar stability. And that protein is going to help with fueling lean body tissue and helping you burn fat. The better that you preserve your lean body, your muscle tissue, your bone tissue, the better fat burner you're going to be, the lower level of insulin you're going to have, the less inflammation you're going to have. So really focusing on the protein first, then think about where's my healthy fat coming from. So if you're eating, a lot of times it comes with the proteins. In some cases, it may not. Um, like if you're eating like a chicken breast, there's very little fat in that. So you want to add some fat, might be, you might have guacamole with it. You might have extra virgin olive oil that you can put on top of it or butter, grass-fed butter, something along those lines. So then think about where your fat's coming from. Now, for a lot of people, they can do well with higher fat, 20, 30 grams. Some people, if you don't have a gallbladder, if you have very congested bile ducts, you may have noticed when you eat those fattier foods, you feel nauseous, you don't feel good. So you got to kind of find where your sweet spot is. I usually say somewhere between 50 to 30 grams of healthy fat in a meal, again, based on your fat tolerance, the more fat you're able to handle, um, to some degree, the better if you're able to digest it well, because you're gonna you're gonna feel more satiated between meals. But you don't want to cause nausea. You don't want to cause you know gut pain. For some people, they eat fat, they get more pain right in their body because their body's not able to metabolize it, break it down, and so that ends up driving up more inflammation. So you got to kind of find the sweet spot. So typically between 15 to 30 grams, usually for most people, is really good. Again, if for some individuals, they can do more, right? And they feel great. So get your healthy fat. And then from there, you know, just focusing on real foods for, you know, for, for fiber, for plants, right? The foods that you do best with. For some people, they do really well on a, a lot of plant-based fibers. They do really well when they consume very big salads, when they do lots of cruciferous vegetables. They just feel better when they do that. For other people, they get more bloated. They have more gas. They have more pain, more inflammation. So you got to find your threshold, um, and what fruits and vegetables you you feel like you do best with, okay? For me, I can't handle a lot of cruciferous vegetables. I have a threshold there, but I do great with cucumbers, artichokes, hearts of palm. Like I make a Mediterranean salad that is like one of my favorite things where I've got cucumbers, tomatoes, 
artichokes in there, hearts of palm, feta cheese, olives, black olives with extra virgin olive oil, lemon juice, put garlic salt on it. And I love it. And my family, we eat that all the time and it's great. But if I do a lot of cruciferous, I can do some, but if I do like a whole bunch of steamed broccoli, things like that, I just don't feel as good. I just don't digest it as well. And so, yeah. And so, so everybody's got to kind of figure out what their fiber or FODMAP, there's these types of fibers, types of carbohydrate that are in plants that feed bacteria. And based on your unique microbiome, that's going to that's gonna dictate how well you're breaking down and digesting those things. So I can do great on lots of meat. I do fine with that. Some people don't, right? They don't do well. My body's good producing the stomach acid needed to break down the meat. I'm, I have good bile flow. I can handle the fats. But for me, doing a lot of broccoli or something like that, don't feel as good. For another person, it might be the exact opposite. So you want to kind of figure out the amount of plant fiber and the, and the kinds of, of uh, plants that you do well with. I actually do great with fruit. So I'll do fruit. I, you know, last night I had pineapple. So after every meal, after every dinner, I usually will have a, a, like a protein shake in the middle of the day. A lot of days I'll either eat leftovers from dinner or I'll make a protein shake with uh, avocado in it, raw milk. We have grass fed raw milk from our local farmer, uh, protein powder. And I put frozen berries in there mm-hmm. and that's great. That's, that's, I would say four or five days a week. I'm doing that for lunch. And then the other, the other days I'm usually doing leftovers from dinner and dinner is usually, um, some sort of healthy meat, right? Lots of meat, mostly beef, sometimes bison. We do do some chicken occasionally, maybe once a week we'll do like wild caught salmon or something like that. And then, uh, we're doing that Mediterranean salad. Like I talked about, that's common. My wife might make sweet potato. I don't usually eat a lot of sweet potato. I I feel like it drives up my blood sugar too much, causes more cravings, but usually I'm doing a lot of meat. We do avocado, we do guacamole, we'll make guacamole, things like that. Things, you know, things along those lines. And then for me, fruit and organic Greek yogurt is like a perfect dessert for me. I'll take organic Greek yogurt. I'll put in some strawberry flavored or vanilla flavored collagen uh, peptides in there. So it kind of gives it, so instead of, you know, it's unsweetened. So you never want to get the yogurt with fruit on the bottom or with added sugar. Um, I, my body does great with dairy. So for some individuals, dairy is a, is a trigger food, but for me, I do great with it. Um, but I always make sure I get it organic, unsweetened. And then the sweetening comes from the stevia within the protein powder. And then I might, you know, have s- strawberries and pineapple are like my favorite fruit. So I'll have those at, at times, sometimes, you know, throw some blueberries in there. Um, you know, something along those lines. I like peaches. So, uh, you want peaches when we're in peach season, I'll do peaches, and I do more fruit in the summer um, as opposed to the winter. And so part of it also is eating seasonally yeah. when you're exposed to a lot of sun. And I try to get a lot of sun during the summertime. I mean, I really try to get sun like today. I'm going to, it's it's nice enough. I'm going to do my workout outside, my shirt off to get some sun, even though it's, you know, November here uh, in Georgia. But um I try to get as much you know, sun as possible. Actually, good sunshine, good sun exposure, the infrared that you're being exposed to, that actually helps improve insulin sensitivity and so and, and mitochondrial function. Mm. So when you're being exposed, when you're getting a lot of good sunshine on, a, on, a, on your body, obviously it helps optimize your vitamin D levels as well. Vitamin D plays a key role in insulin sensitivity. And so when you're getting a lot of sun, you, you tend to have better carbohydrate tolerance. It makes sense, right? Fruit is in season, late summer typically. 
Um, and so, and fruit has a lot of uh, antioxidants, polyphenols and antioxidants that support, that help like anthocyanins, for example, a lot of these uh, colored fruits like blueberries and strawberries, uh, they have they have something called anthocyanins, which is designed, these are, are pigments within them that are designed to help protect against the oxidative stress from UV light. So it confers the benefits when we consume them, right? So it just, it makes a lot of sense that the more sun we're exposed to, the better we're going to be able to tolerate. And, you know, fruit really helps us with that. It also has has structured water in it, which, you know, we get, obviously we're losing more water during the heat of the summer. So, um, you know, getting more of that structured water helps all the cells be able to communicate more effectively together. So that's usually what I'm consuming on a regular basis. Now, my wife, she's, I could eat the same thing every single day and, and, and be totally happy. Right. Whereas my wife very much craves creativity mm-hmm. and, and so do my kids They they, they, you know, my kids are all young. They like creativity. I always have a, I have a joke with my wife because whenever she goes in the pantry, the kids run in there because they know something good's going to happen. And so, um, so my wife will get the healthier processed foods and she'll make brownies and cookies and, you know, things like that, the healthier forms of ice cream. So my kids get like, I think it's like coconut ice cream on Fridays and, and things like that. For me though, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty boring. I guess you could say, uh, that's what, that's what she says, but you know, I eat what I, what I feel like makes me thrive. And now at 42, I feel better, a lot better than I did at 22. And I feel a lot better than I did at 32. And so ideally that's the goal for me is to just feel better every single year and to continue to find strategies that are going to help me thrive as I get older. Mm, Aging backwards. It sounds like. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. I, I love the way you said everyone's different. So like, if you ever hear anyone say, you know, this one diet is perfect for everyone. It's just not true, right? We're all different. So I really like that you said that, Dr. Jockers. And I also love that a couple of times you mentioned the innate wisdom of the body. And so would you say what we're trying to do if we are in pain, inflammation, or dealing with any chronic conditions is really um, creating an environment in which the body, it's wisdom takes over and it does the healing naturally. Would would you say that? Kind yeah, of- 100%. I mean, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, with the innate intelligence just goes to work when insulin's low. Insulin is a major information signal to the body. When insulin drops down below a th- certain threshold, when we look at it on, on um, blood work from a functional perspective, a great test is fasting insulin. And so when your fasting insulin is up over six, it's a sign. So if you've been fasting for 12, usually you're wanting to get it done somewhere between this kind of 12 to 14 hour range. So let's say you finish dinner at 7 a.m. You go in, you get your blood work done at 8 a.m. in the morning. Uh, or sorry, 7 p.m. You finish dinner, 8 a.m. the next morning, you're getting your blood work done. That's in that kind of sweet window where the test is the most accurate. So somewhere 12 to 14 hours, your insulin level should be below six. If it's below six, it's a sign that you're very insulin sensitive and your body's able to undergo autophagy and get rid of these damaged cells. If it's up over six, it's a sign that you have insulin resistance and it takes longer to get into that sweet spot where you're burning fat, right? So you're gonna need a longer fasting window and we wanna do things to help bring you know, better insulin sensitivity, exercise. You might not be exercising much. You might not be walking much throughout the day. You might be eating too many carbohydrates. You might not, uh, you might have too big, too large of an eating window. You might be eating from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. So there are a lot of things that we want to look at to 
in order to help improve your insulin sensitivity. You might not be sleeping good. Maybe you have bad light exposure at night. Maybe you're up watching movies on Netflix or something like that until midnight. And then, you know, that's going to affect your, your stress hormones and your circadian rhythm. And that can also throw off your insulin levels. So a lot of different things, infections. I also see infections causing that, whether it's parasites, H. pylori. Sometimes people are trying to do a lot of things diet-wise, but they have these infections that are driving inflammation in their system and that's causing insulin insulin resistance as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, you want to figure that out. Do you uh, recommend uh, continuous glucose monitors for people as a way to monitor? Yeah, I think that's a great, great way. So that gives you instantaneous feedback. Basically, what a continuous glucose monitor, you just put it on your arm and you have a little app on your phone. And so you eat food, you eat a meal 30 minutes later, let's say you check your blood sugar, you kind of see how much it went up or down, right? And see how your body was impacted by the foods, specifically the foods in that meal. Mm-hmm. And you can find that there are certain things, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, that cashews, they eat cashews and cashews spike their blood sugar. You know, so they realized they didn't know that before. They enjoyed cashews. They didn't know that they were, it was having that effect. So you can, you can see kind of that personalized data. So I do think that's a a great idea. You can also see, I I wore one for about a month and uh, you can also see the impact of stress and how that changes blood sugar level, which I found really interesting. Another thing I found, because I I do the intermittent fasting like you, and I uh, then I I did a 5K uh, running race, and I hadn't eaten anything, I kind of forgot. So I did the race, and then I thought, oh no, what's, you know, I felt kind of weird. And uh, I thought maybe my blood sugar was really low. And I looked at, at, you know, did the scan and it had spiked right up the highest it had ever been. And so, you know, there's sometimes you can, uh, I guess what happens is uh, it forces uh, the blood sugar to go up because it's responding to there being, you know, it's low in the bloodstream. So that was really interesting as well to see what happened there. So it's, I well, also the exercise, when you, when you exercise, your body's going to liberate that glucose, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's a natural stress response. You got to have it available for, for, to create energy quickly because your body, your innate intelligence doesn't know if you're running a 5k or if you're running for your life, right? Exactly. And it was my first one. I was probably a little nervous and stressed. So that probably didn't help either. Um, yeah. You know, one thing that can help there, uh, just a quick, quick, tidbit, you know, I coach my sons in soccer. And so sometimes they'll have 9am soccer games and I have them play fasted, but I may, I give them amino acids. So essential amino acids in their drink cups. So I have them drinking essential amino acids and they play amazing, you know, like, and they're not even hungry after, you know, obviously I give them food after the game and they're not even like, like they, they don't have natural signs like, oh my gosh, I need to have food. So the amino acids really help them uh, in that setting. So if you are, let's say a lot of these 5Ks are early in the morning and sometimes people think, well, I'm going to expend all this energy. I need to eat something beforehand, which you'll actually notice you perform better fasted, but have an amino acid, get essential amino acids. Like we just have a powder, it's called Amino Strong that we put in, it's flavored with stevia, it's got electrolytes in it too. Um, and those amino acids in your system will help provide a fuel source that will keep your blood sugar more stable and help you recover as well and perform better um, in that, you know, in, in whatever you're doing. Next race, I'm having that. There you <laughs> go. I really don't want to run on a full stomach. It just right, doesn't... exactly. It's bad for your gut. It actually creates more inflammation if you have a full stomach. That makes total yeah. sense. 
Makes total yeah. sense. All right, Dr. Jockers, this has been fabulous. Just a, like a crash course in all things inflammation related to blood sugar levels. So thank you so much for that. I want to ask you one question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what's one thing someone's, this is called wellness by design, it's intentional living. So what's one intentional baby step someone could take today, right after listening to this, that would help create a healing environment in their body? Yeah, well, there's one one thing that I didn't talk about is actually just going out and, and walking throughout the day. There's a lot of research showing that people that are walking, um, I think it's something like our, our ancestors would spend, I think they would walk somewhere between five to seven miles a day, right? Now that's going to be hard to do, but if you can even walk a mile a day, I think it's going to have a significant impact on your health. And the people that are walking a mile or more a day, there's a significant reduction in overall morbidity and mortality rates, meaning that less chronic disease and less, you know, early death in a sense. And so just getting out and taking walks and use that as a great time, get in the sun. Um, you can listen to podcasts and learn uh, like this one. Or you could use it as time to listen to worship music, uh, meditate. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things. Talk to your neighbors, right? There's a lot of things you can you can combine, whether it's learning or community time, um, while you're getting that walking time in, and that can make a big impact on your overall health. Mm, I love that, um, and it's it's just such a simple thing, and and people tend to underestimate the power of walking, but it's. It's really, really, really powerful. So thank you so much for suggesting that. All right. I know you've got a, a summit coming up too. So uh, it's the Fasting and Inflammation Summit. So want to tell us about- Fasting and Longevity. Yeah, Fasting Longe and Longevity. Sorry, Fasting summit. Longevity Summit. But we'll talk about inflammation. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we'll have a link to that so people can learn more about that. And also the best place to find you, I know your website is drjockers.com. We'll have the links there. Are you also active on social media? Yep. Yep. Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook. Yep. You can find me on all those channels. Okay. And we'll share all the links. I want to say thanks so much for the great work that you're doing, uh, all those fabulous recipes you're putting out. And uh, I just really appreciate that I've gotten to know you. It was so great to meet you last month in Atlanta to connect with you there. And uh, just thank you for being here and having this conversation today. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Jane. Really appreciate you. Thanks to all the people watching and listening to. And if you know someone that needs to hear this, share this podcast with them and you could be doing them the biggest favor of their life. We'll see you again soon. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.